What's up, everyone, and thank you for tuning into today's episode of the Mindset Podcast. Today, we are joined by Jose Felix Diaz. In 2010, Jose was elected to the Florida House of Representatives, where he proudly represented District 116. Today, Jose is the Executive Vice President of Ballard Partners, a government affairs firm here in South Florida, where he claims to have the coolest job in the world. Stay tuned to find out why and how Jose has been able to position himself for success. You won't want to miss it. Welcome to the Mindset Podcast. Our guest today is Jose Felix Diaz. In 2010, Jose was elected to the Florida House of Representatives, where he proudly represented District 116. Today, Jose is the Executive Vice President of Ballard Partners, a government affairs firm here in Florida. Jose, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you for coming on, Jose. We appreciate it. Uh, for all you guys listening, this is actually the second time we're recording with Jose, just because we wanted to get another crack at him. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Jose, our first uh, two warm-up questions are usually the hardest for some reason, but uh, let's get right into it. So the first one is, what has been your worst experience while traveling? The last time we spoke, you said that you travel a lot, so I'm sure you had some stories in your, in your mind. Yeah, so when I was in uh, law school, um, I actually spent a lot of time in South America. Um, I, I uh, went to Argentina and spent six months studying abroad. And I became friends with uh, the only other American that was in the school. And we got to travel. We went to Uruguay. We went to all sorts of places, including Rio de Janeiro. And one of the nights that we went out, it was the night we were going to come back to uh, or go back to, to Buenos Aires. Um, we, we went out to a nightclub and I, I decided to go home early because, you know, I needed my beauty rest and <laughs> he doesn't show up. I mean, like, you know, the next morning I actually had to leave uh, back to Argentina without, uh, without him and didn't know what was going on. And it wasn't till I, till I got to Argentina uh, that he got back to me and told me that the night before he had been mugged at gunpoint. Uh, and uh, when he was leaving the nightclub and, you know, one very lucky that I wasn't there because, you know, I, I, um, I, I was, uh, working as a bouncer in a nightclub in Buenos Aires. So I thought I was especially tough back then. I probably would have fought the mugger and probably got it shot, but, um, it, it was very weird. I mean, I, I called the American embassy and let them know that my friend wasn't with me. Um, and you know, he had to actually walk all the way back. Uh, to the to the hotel we were staying at on his own because no cab would pick him up because he had no money. They took his wallet, they took his passport. It was a whole mess, and uh, I, I vividly remember that as a as a pretty nasty experience uh, when we were over there. Well, good thing you weren't there. <laughs> yeah. So may, may, maybe the answer was was the worst thing that happened to somebody that was with you <laughs> when you were when you were abroad. But uh, yeah, man, it was crazy. Yeah. And I, I, wow. I, I remember, so I have traveled all over the world and I've been to some pretty seedy places and I just specifically remember Rio and some of the places we went to in Rio being uh, very, very different than other places because you had some of the richest neighborhoods in Rio and next mm -hmm. door you had some of the poorest neighborhoods. So, you know, people were constantly on guard. Mm. Yeah, tra traveling is definitely a, a interesting experience, both good and bad, right? You can encounter anything. Hopefully you encounter more good than you do bad. I remember one time when I was traveling, I was going over to London 
And uh, they, I don't know if this happened to you before, Jose, but they, my luggage went to, like, I think it went to Peru, not to London with me. And I didn't have any underwear with me when I went to London. And it took three days for my luggage to finally get to me in, in yeah, London. That, that happened to me once in Washington, D.C. And then uh, I took a trip um, with a bunch of state legislators to Taiwan. And one of my buddies, I mean, I'm not a small guy. I'm six foot four, you know, and back then I was probably 230. And uh, one of the guys that came with us was a, a former football player at FSU, Clay Ingram. And he's a big boy like me. Clay lost his luggage the whole time we were there. And if you, if you go to Taiwan, I promise you, there's not, there, you know, there aren't stores that actively carry uh, clothes for a six foot five. And he was probably a little a little heavier than I was. So I had to basically uh, give him half of my clothes for the rest <laughs> of the trip. So, you know, we had very important meetings with like governors yeah. and mayors and different people in the provinces that we visited. And, uh, you know, it, it was kind of funny that every day we had the same suit on, you know? <laughs> That's interesting. All right, the, the second question we have for you is, when you were young, when you were a, a kid, teenager, high school, what did you dream of doing as a career? Oh, man, that's an easy one. So um, I came from a family of doctors. Uh, my uncle was a doctor. My grandfather was a doctor. His father was a doctor. So for me, it was like a no-brainer. I was always going to be a doctor. And uh, I really wanted to be a pediatrician. I felt like I had a calling. I loved, you know, helping people. Still do. I mean, I kind of sometimes wonder if I miss my calling, but um, but. <laughs> But, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is very important for college kids is to have internships. And uh, when I was in college, I had got a great internship with the National Parkinson's Institute, which is a research facility run by the University of Miami. Um, I actually went to the University of Miami for undergrad. I had a cousin who worked there. She got me a job. And, you know, we were doing a lot of experiments to help benefit people with Parkinson's, including experiments with rats. And these little rats at the end of the experiment, uh, you know, whether they lived or died, we needed to preserve their brain uh, to make sure that we figured out what was going on. And I felt so bad for those little rats that I said, if, man, if I feel bad for rats, what <laughs> happen if, if something happens to one of my patients, especially a kid? So for me, um, it was very, very eye-opening. And I decided very quickly to shift away from uh, medical school, even though I was a biochem major. Uh, I did change my major seven times in college. Uh, and ultimately wrong. ended with an English and psychology, with English and uh, political science degree mm -hmm. with a minor in psychology. So um, I was a total mess when it came to majors, but I, I thought I was gonna <laughs> be a doctor. And today I'm a lawyer and a lobbyist and a former legislator, the, you know, three L's and, 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 and no MD. <laughs> What was Jose? What was that like when when the day you decided that look, I'm not gonna go into medicine? How how describe that day for me? Like I'm sure you were like scared, anxious. You're like I don't know what the heck I'm gonna do with my life. Did you know right away you're gonna get into politics or? No, I had no clue. So um, the interesting thing is, you know, I I went to uh, the same school that Anthony went to. I went to St. Brendan High School, and they had a pretty good uh, dual enrollment program. So. I went to the University of Miami with 39 credits from high school. So I had a lot of flexibility that actually allowed me to take a little extra time. Instead of graduating in two and a half or three years, which I could have, 
I took all four years. I, I went slow and steady. So I don't think it was like as abrupt a decision as I'm maybe um, explaining now. That's hindsight, right? But mm-hmm. at the time, you know, I just knew that, you know, I wasn't in love with chemistry courses. I wasn't in love with the biology courses. Um, I, I wanted the end goal, which was to be a doctor, but the stuff in between wasn't too fun. So, you know, I started searching for myself. I thought maybe I'd want to become like a college professor. So I changed my major to education at one point. I thought I might want to become a biomedical engineer. Then I realized that I hated math. Uh, and so, you know, along the way, I, I, the process was gradual, but it wasn't until my junior year in college that I started taking some constitutional law classes. There was this amazing professor called Benton Becker. Uh, he's no longer with us. And Benton was, was a really interesting guy. He was the, the personal lawyer uh, for, for Gerald Ford. And he actually helped negotiate the, uh, the pardon for Richard Nixon. So he was like a, a piece of history. He actually brought the pen that uh, Ford used to, to pardon Nixon. Uh, to class and he taught constitutional law and for me as the child of of Cuban exiles uh, the thought that you have this really important formational document a constitution and it protects the rule of law it protects your rights there's a bill of rights one of the most important bill of rights in, in, in the history of humanity um, really intrigued me so I took con law one con law two con law three supreme court issues I was building on that class mm-hmm. And that's when I decided my senior year that I was going to uh, really go to law school. Um, I, I applied late in November of of, uh, of my of my senior year and got accepted in December. You know, uh, I myself accepted the offer uh, in December, and it was you know uh, all downhill from there. Wow, what an interesting story! I know for for those people who are listening and might think, oh, if I want to get into politics, I need to be a lawyer, right? Or I need a master's or can you answer that for them? Because I know you, you, you said that you went to law school, but what advice do you have for someone that's looking to get into politics, but they don't necessarily want to go that route and they want to get a business degree? Yeah, well, first of all, I'll start off by saying that anybody can get into politics if they want to get into politics. Um, historically in, in Florida and in many parts of the world, the only way to get in politics was if your family was in politics. You know, my dad was a politician or my grandfather was a politician. And, you know, simply put, that was not me. Uh, my family did not talk about politics at the dinner table. Um, I wasn't super involved as a kid in presidential elections. You know, I barely knew who the president was. I just kind of discovered politics through um, student government. You know, when I was a, a sophomore in, in high school, I was a very shy kid. I was afraid of my own shadow. Uh, the only involvement I ever had as growing up was in sports. I, I was an avid sports player. Uh, so I, you know, I, I knew about competition and I knew about working hard and I had a good work ethic, but I was not self-confident. And I went to a study abroad trip, you know, another study abroad story. Uh, to France. It was uh, me and 27 girls from my high school. And they were all the pretty, super involved cheerleaders and uh, dance team and uh, student government girls. And they got me to run for student government as a junior in high school. By senior year, I was student government president. By uh, by college, you know, I was student government president again in law school. 
I was you know, very involved and ultimately didn't run for president because I was going to Argentina. But, you know, that um, policy wonk in me was awakened, you know, coming up with ideas and seeing them through fruition to me really like set a fire. And so, you know, that's how I discovered politics. And, you know, in law school, uh, very few of my classmates have ever got involved in politics. And in the legislature, you know, I served with hundreds of people uh, in the course of four terms. Um, a lot of them, if not most of them, certainly a, a super majority of them were not lawyers. You know, we had bus drivers and teachers and business people and accountants. And if you want to have a true citizen legislature, uh, you want to make sure that you have people from all walks of life. Because as a legislator, you're asked to learn about so many things. There's 2,000 bills that we vote on every year. Um, and they go through, you know, multiple committees. You know, I served at any given time on no less than six committees at a time. And they were subject matters that I wasn't an expert on. So, yes, I relied on my legal training to allow me to become up to date on whatever I was voting on very quickly. But I really had to rely on my colleagues that were from other walks of life to kind of hold me by the hand and say, look, this is legit legislation or, you know, this is, this is a, a total special interest driven item that, you know, probably should not pass. Mm -hmm. Now you've been in politics, as you just said, for quite some time, you were very well versed with the whole political world and you're still in that world by being a lobbyist and, and such. How do you deal with, with attacks? Cause I'm sure you've been attacked many times, right? False campaign ads or people, uh, trying to dig up dirt on your life on what you've did, done in the past with a little microscope. Like, how do you deal with that mentally? Talk, talk to us about that process, how, how you deal with people coming after you, false rumors, accusations, uh, threats. How do you deal with that mentally? Because I can imagine it's extremely hard to do and not everybody would be able to handle that well. Well, it's funny. I mentioned that I was a very shy kid with not a lot of self-confidence when I first went to high school. You know, as I've matured, I've become very self-confident. And I think that that self-confidence has allowed me to kind of survive in the world of politics because I know who I am. I know me. And, you know, nobody can tell me what I am or, 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 or what the world should think I am. I, I know the way I work. I know why I do things. I feel confident about the way that I uh, put myself out there into the universe. And, Yes, I've been attacked numerous times um, and, you know, I've developed really thick skin. Something that I tell people that are running for office is that you absolutely need to have thick skin because they're going to come after you. Um, I remember my first race, um, we got attacked because my son was not in the public school system. My son was three months old. Uh, you know, dad was Jose Diaz does not have his kids in public school. Yeah, my kid was, you know, crapping himself in diapers and, you know, could, couldn't even say mama <laughs> or papa. So, you know, that, that to me, that to me was like an early kick to the gut of, you know, anything is, is, is fair game. They're going to attack you on just about everything. And, and, you know, it's not only personal attacks. I mean, I had actual death threats against me and my family. I mean, we're, when I was in, 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 in Tallahassee, there were times that, they needed to deploy FDLE, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, to my house to take care of us, to make sure that nobody would attack us because of the letters we would get. Um, it was pretty intense. So, again, you know, you have to be super confident that 
what you're doing is something that is benefiting other people, that you're making a difference, that you're being a leader, that you're doing things for the right reasons. And if you do all of that, the other stuff is just noise. Mm. Wow. That's so powerful. Yeah. I feel like what I'm getting from you is that, you know, experience builds character. Right. And I think we talked about it um, before, whereas you said that if, you know, you had people that would graduate college and they want to get into politics, right. I think you mentioned something along the lines that you need to live life a little bit, or you need to experience and get different degrees and, and just be in different industries. That way you can have more experience and have more to give. I have more to contribute because if you're, you know, fresh out of the water, you're, you're going to, you're going to get eaten live. Right. So I think that's so important. Yes, sir. I think, you know, you said experience builds character and I a hundred percent agree with that, but I think experience also tests character. Mm -hmm. You know, our, our, our character is, is a lifelong journey. You know, the values that we were taught as kids, the values that we've accepted and adopted as adults, those are things that you think you understand. Yeah. Uh, but when you have to, you know, make a decision between two very, very similar, equally tempting sides of an argument, and you have to start now defining what your policy looks like, you know, that helps build your character because, mm -hmm. you know, being in the legislature, you're constantly pissing people off, whether you're voting for something or against it. You know, 50% of the people are always going to be wondering why you did that and questioning your integrity and saying that, well, you know, you're corrupt because you voted against this or you're, you know, um, you're, you're not a true conservative or you're not a true progressive or you're not a true this. I mean, everybody like kind of pushes, you know, their worldview onto you. And, you know, they didn't vote for you to vote for their worldview. They voted for you to be you know, a good, honest person to do things the right way, to do what you think is in the best interest of your constituency. And, you know, sometimes your views are not aligned with every single person that voted for you. and That's okay. But again, you need to have that world experience. You know, I, I, I caution young people uh, who want to run for office in their early 20s from doing it. I look, there, there's been some great legislators and some great elected officials that started out very young. But I think that the best legislators I served with were people that had a defined career. They had defined values, defined principles, defined goals. They had been tested prior to having been in office and they had survived those tests. Uh, those people to me were the best legislators because they had nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. they, they were not uh, owned by anybody. They were not you know, the, the puppet of any one special interest group. That is, you know, something that speaks volume about the character of a person and makes their public service um, that much more important. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're, as you're talking, for those of you who are listening, I'm the student government president at Miami-Dade College at Kendall campus. And as, you, as you're sharing these stories of, of accusations and, and death, I mean, not death threats on me, but you're talking about things that have happened to you that have been pretty severe. I'm getting just a little taste of that right now. And it's the first time I experienced things like that. And someone told me when I, I reached out to one of my mentors just the other day, and he said this famous quote that I'm sure you've heard before, that if, if, you, want to, if you want to make everybody happy, sell ice cream, right? Like leaders, when you're, when you're a leader, you're, you're going to do things that are going to make people happy, but also piss off the other half, like no matter what you do. So if you're a leader, to your point, you have to have thick skin and be okay with that. Be okay with the attacks. 
Yeah, when I when I was in college and I was student government president at the University of Miami, uh, I had a whole group of people that didn't like that I was the one who won my race and they tried to make my life a living nightmare. They would file complaints against me and <laughs> they actually once even tried to impeach me. And um, they, they discovered a motion in, in our parliamentary procedure that can kick out the student government president out of the Senate meetings. So every once in a while, when they wanted to discuss something and kick me out, they, they, they would they, they would bring the, 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 the point of order uh, to yeah. get me out. So listen, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because a lot of those people are people that after college, uh, you know, we, we stayed friends. Um, so, you know, uh, there, there was a, a quote from a, a British member of parliament that said, uh, England has neither permanent friends nor permanent enemies, uh, only permanent interests. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, those people were temporary enemies uh, who were just not politically aligned with me and they had their own people they wanted to get appointed to positions and I was appointing people that I thought were better than their people. And you know what? That's what I was there to do. Mm -hmm. Jose, going, going into you, I mean, telling us your story from back when you were in the, on that trip in, in France with those, all those girls influencing you to get into politics <laughs> and into student government. When you, when you decided that you're like, all right, politics is my thing. This is what I'm going to do. Who did you look up to? Like, who do you credit your success to? Do you have a mentor that you look up to that you go to? And like, who, who influenced you more so earlier in life to build you to who you are today? I, I think growing up in elementary school and in college, um, we all learn about the different branches of government and there's a federal government and a state government and a, and a local government. But I don't think I truly understood what the state legislature was and how important it was until I met another former student government president from UM called Mike Abrams. Um, Mike had been president of UM in 1968, which was, you know, a, a time of civil unrest for this country. Um, he had gone on to become a, a very powerful state legislature uh, very influential in, in Florida politics from the 80s to the 2000s. He's still very relevant now, but, um, you know, that's when he served and he was a, an advisor to the Kennedys and an advisor to, you know, Jimmy Carter and very involved in, in, in the national scene. And I, I was a young kid and he took me under his wing and kind of mentored me uh, through college and law school. Uh, helped me uh, get a seat for students on the Board of Trustees of the University of Miami. Um, I went to law school in New York at Columbia University, and he would come visit me up there. And, um, you know, whenever he was in town, we'd go have lunch. And, you know, when, when it was time to graduate from law school, I applied to many different firms and got many different offers. But his firm, he was working at the biggest law firm in Florida at the time, was was a very coveted firm for me. And he actually helped get me in the door, helped get me a job interview, uh, ultimately helped get me my first job, a job I had for 13 years. Uh, he helped me run for office when I ran for office. Mm -hmm. And then when I finished my time in office, uh, he helped me get my current job because we work together now. We travel all over the world. Um, we, um, we have a, a pretty amazing mentor-mentee relationship still even though I'm, I'm no longer a college student. And, uh, you know, he, he's had a tremendous impact in my life. And he's just one of, you know, dozens of mentors that I've had in my life. But he just happens to be the one that I talk to almost every day now uh, because of our career. And uh, I'm very thankful to him and other people like him that invested time in me when I was a young person 
So I actually mentor a lot of young kids now. I mentor a lot of uh, college kids. I always have. I had, uh, you know, a, a cadre of, of, of interns when I was serving. My interns have now become professionals and they're doing great in the world. And I love to see them rise and continue to become superstars. So, you know, as you further your career, if you're young, you know, just because you're young doesn't mean you can't have a mentee. You know, if you're a senior in college, that freshman you're giving advice to, you know, by the, by the time you become a professional, you know, the age gap is not going to seem that big, but you help them early on and you'll never forget the impact you had in their life and vice versa. What is it about UM student governments that all of you become politicians? Vance Lupis, Mike Abrams, yourself, what's, what's going on yeah, with that Joe, Joe Garcia, the former congressman, was also a student body president at UM. Um, I served in the, uh, in the, in the Senate with, uh, with, um, with uh, Carlos Grubello, who became a congressman also. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I like the university. <laughs> the, the University of Miami has a really good political science program. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it, it, it has a way of getting kids involved. Uh, the yeah. University of Miami Board of Trustees is like the, in my opinion, one of the most important groups of, of, uh, of community leaders. And um, they are super involved in, in, in many things and they help students get involved. So, mm -hmm. you know, for, for, again, it, it's, it's important to, to, to see that the school cares about the community and recruits people that care about the community. Mm -hmm. Now, tell us a little bit of what you do as vice president of Ballard Partners. What exactly is that company and, and what's your role in it? Yeah, Ballard Partners is the largest lobbying firm in the state of Florida. Uh, we're a top five lobbying firm in Washington, D.C. Uh, we have um, over 10 offices, including offices in Tel Aviv, Israel, uh, all over the state of Florida. And any major city you want to be in, we're there. We also have a reach across, you know, the country. We do work all over the country, all over the hemisphere. Uh, and what a lobbyist is, is, is kind of uh, hard to define. It's somebody who works in government, uh, who either passes legislation or stops legislation or helps somebody fix their issues that are coming before the government. Um, we happen to have uh, exceptional people that do that in, in, in all different walks of government. We have former Congress people, we have former US ambassadors, uh, we have former chiefs of staffs to governors and chiefs of staffs to lieutenant governors and legislators, mm -hmm. former legislators. Um, it, it's, it's, it's really a very diverse firm with very diverse interests. We represent some of the biggest companies in the world. Uh, we are the lobbyists for Amazon and Google. Uh, we're the lobbyists for the Yankees and Major League Baseball. Uh, we represent Dell Technologies. We represent, wow. you know, um, aerospace companies, we represent uh, space companies, we represent really people that are, are involved in every single uh, fight that happens in, in, in Tallahassee and in Washington, D.C. And one of the things that I enjoy the most is with Mike Abrams, we advise uh, several companies, one in particular, by helping them pick their lobbyists in different cities all, all over the world. Uh, so we're going to go bid on an airport project in New York or Los Angeles or Chicago or Santiago, Chile, uh, we deploy early, we go meet lawyers and lobbyists, we build a team to give our clients the best opportunity to be victorious. And then we monitor their progress, you know, check in on them, see, you know, what legislators they need to meet with or what decision makers they need to meet with. We go to those meetings, so I'm constantly on an airplane. 
Um, and, you know, we, we have a lot of fun in between. We get to go meet with elected officials. We have dinners and breakfasts and lunches. And, you know, I, I have a, a pretty awesome life. Uh, I'm very glad to work at Ballard Partners. I went there because I had been lobbied by everybody as a former legislator. Uh, to me, these guys were the most ethical, uh, the hardest working, the ones representing the best clients and getting the best results. And that's who I wanted to associate with. It was a no-brainer. I'm super happy I did it. It's been three years next month that I've been a Ballard Partners, and it's been three of the best years of my life. So you have the coolest job in the world, basically. You Basically, yeah. if you want to sum up everything you just said, you have the coolest job in the world. It's, it's like a tie between me and 007, you know? Uh, and, 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 uh, and, and the difference is that nobody's shooting at me, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I think I do have the coolest job in the world, you know? And I'm really involved in the community. I sit on, like, 12 nonprofit boards. So I'm, I'm constantly in the mix, you know, getting out there and scratching that itch I have for public service but at the same time helping, right? So mm. it, it's a, it, it's a, I have a blessed life. I have three wonderful kids. Um, I married my college sweetheart. Uh, we have, you know, traveled the world together uh, by ourselves and with the kids. And, you know, this year has been rough on all of us, but I've been blessed uh, to spend so much time with my kids. Uh, it's been, you know, a year I'll never forget, a year that I think will help them in their development to have their dad around because, again, I was traveling so much before. So, you know, we're, we're hopeful for 2021, but you have to enjoy every day. Uh, I've enjoyed every day of 2020 as crappy as it's been at times uh, because, you know, there's people that when they work, they live for the weekends. You know, they only want to they, they only want to remember, you know, the party they went to or the day they had off. But you have to find the job that you enjoy doing every day because life is, you know, if, if you blink before you know it, if you only enjoy two, you know, two-sevenths of your life, that's a lot of life that you lost and a lot of life that you did not enjoy. Yeah. So I enjoy every day of my life. I enjoy every day of my work. I love what I do. I love the clients I represent. Um, and I love what I do for them. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're blessed enough to find something like that, I think you're going to be very, very happy for the rest of your days. Jose, speaking of 2021, um, is there one thing in particular that you're looking forward to? Yeah, man, I can't wait to get back on an airplane, you know? Um, I, I, I love traveling. I love the world. I love catching up with my friends that live all over the world. I love going to new restaurants and new cities. And, uh, you know, 2020, since March, um, I haven't been on an airplane. I haven't been to a new city. I haven't left the state of Florida. And it won't be until next year that I do. Um, so I'm really excited for that. I'm, you know, I, I think life as we know it will be a little bit changed, you know, maybe not sure. totally changed, but there'll be some adjustments. So, you know, I'm excited to see how much back to normal we get. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to catching up with old friends in Tallahassee and in Washington mm -hmm. and, and all over the hemisphere uh, because, you know, you only live one life and uh, every year matters and, Every year you don't see friends and family is, mm -hmm. is, is a year is, is a year that's that's, that's misspent. Uh, but mm -hmm. I have again really enjoyed 2020 in terms of family time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my parents had COVID and my kids had mm -hmm. COVID and everybody mm -hmm. I know has had COVID. Uh, it, it's been really trying. Mm -hmm. But you know, there's a lot of life lessons about you know enjoying every day, living every day as if it was your last. You know, mm -hmm. you could be hit by a train or a car tomorrow. 
and thankfully, you know, if you do things the right way and you work hard um, and you uh, enjoy what you do, you'll be happy. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, the most important thing in life. Absolutely. We have one life, one shot at this game called one the life. life. You only and got one shot, you know? One shot at this. And, and to wrap things up here, uh, Jose, the last question for you is, what's the mindset that our listeners should leave away with today after listening to everything that you said? What's the mindset that they should leave away with? I think it's very important for your listeners to be self-confident. Believe in yourself because nobody else will. You have to work very hard at making sure that you're happy because nobody else cares, right? I mean, I think that happiness is a mindset. It's, 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 it's something you actively accept and something you actually strive to be. And, you know, I've been very blessed in my life because I think people respond to positive energy. People respond to people that are doing things in a way that, you know, connotes positivity and self-confidence. And it took me a long time to get there as a kid. But, you know, once I hit high school and college and found out who I was and was happy with who I was and got to work on myself, um, I think that, you know, I became very successful as a result. So you got to believe in yourself. You have to uh, constantly do everything you can to help other people. Um, you know, I believe in positive karma. I believe in doing good in the world. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it's the simplest littlest things in life that make a difference. And little mm -hmm. favors that you did for people along the way are things that they'll never forget. And if you leave a legacy of help and assistance and public service, I think you've done a, a heck of a job. Mm. Very well said. And there you have it, everyone. Jose Felix Diaz, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, hopefully we won't have you again. <laughs> I think well, hopefully, you will. hopefully you will have me again at some point. But uh, <laughs> Absolutely. hopefully it's not next week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank guys. you so much, Jose. Have a great week. Absolutely. Have a great one. Great. Bye. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mindset Podcast with our guest, Jose Felix Diaz. Remember that the path to success is not straight. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be mountains to climb. If it was easy, everyone would do it. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share it with as many people as you know. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a five-star review. Stay safe. We'll see you all next week.